hello everybody welcome back to a new episode of the pens uh skating pen skating penguin network penguins mailbag um it's just tonight it's just uh me uh robbie and snail joining us this is actually a hostile takeover of uh the skating penguin skating penguin network by me and snail we have removed garrett from all control and from now on it will just be uh snail and i um uh, obviously joking by that but um we're here for another week and it is monday october 9th meaning tomorrow when this episode premieres it will be game day for the pittsburgh penguins and snail i have to say that i'm pretty excited about that oh yeah me too man it feels like christmas hockey season's eve and uh yeah this has been the plan all along to get garrett off the pod and just run it up ourselves yeah, um, we're just going to keep him in a basement to edit everything and put everything together. But from now on, it will just be uh, myself and Snell doing uh, the important work. So maybe um, uh, maybe Garrett's <laughs> in uh, in one of those basements that uh, in the group chat or we were or maybe it wasn't the group chat. Maybe it was Instagram. Uh, we were talking about the Pittsburgh toilet. Had yeah. no idea that was a thing. You guys just have these open concept basements with a shitter right in the middle of it. So maybe that's where Garrett's at right now. It's the open concept bathroom. A um yeah, a Pittsburgh uh specialty. So uh Garrett, if you are down there, please keep it clean. <laughs> uh, uh I will give you a toothbrush if need be. So um yeah, so uh yeah, Garrett uh will maybe be back this week, maybe not, depending on how uh, what his schedule is, but for now it is just me and Snail, and we're going to get this mailbag uh, started right now with question number one from Brian. Uh, Brian said he really liked the waiver claim of Jansen Harkins. Um, he's got size and speed and has a really nice shot. I think he could add that scoring to the bottom six uh, that we worried may be missing. So yeah, I uh, the second they claimed him, that's one because I'd never heard of this guy. I, I immediately started doing some research, checked out Hockey DB, uh, tried to find what I always do is I look for any and all fighting clips of them on YouTube. <laughs> uh, not a not a lot of those, um, but I'm excited about this pickup. From what I've learned, I mean, if Jansen Harkins isn't isn't supplying scoring in the bottom six, what he is going to provide is tenacity, which the bottom six lacked scoring. They also lacked that that tenacity. He seems like a dog on the puck. I watched a one preseason season or one preseason game of his, and uh, I liked what I saw. High energy player, um, uh, good along the boards, uh, picked a guy's pocket. He just seems like he's one of those guys that's like, give me that puck, uh, give me it back, and uh, didn't see too much of him. I can't speak too much about defensively, um, but. You know he's a new player to the team, and and Sullivan does preach defense first. He seems like a, a young, moldable mind. He's trying to get a his first solid crack at the in the NHL. I think that he's going to be a great. I mean, he from what we see, he's made opening opening night roster. So I like what I've seen so far, and I think he's a great addition to the to the bottom six. Agreed. Uh, question number two coming from Brian, another Brian-dominated part one of the mailbag. Um, who were some of your favorite players growing up? Fedorov, Forsberg, and Bure were some of Brian's. Although I really liked going to games when I was 9, 10, 11 and watching Yager, Kovalev and Kasparaitis. He liked watching Kovalev and Kasparaitis play. Yeah, I grew up uh, in kind of like, obviously Mario, um, but he was more of my younger years as a hockey fan. Yager dominated uh, more of the formative years. Same with guys like 
Martin Straka, Alexei Kovalev uh, were in there as well. And even I was still only uh, in junior high when guys like Flurry uh, broke in with the Penguins. So they were kind of more of my uh, teens, uh, uh, adolescent years as well. But um, great memories of guys like Alexei Kovalev, Robert Lang, uh, Kasparitis had one of the uh, one of my all time favorite uh, hockey watching memories uh, in Game Seven against the Buffalo Sabers in two thousand one. Um, but Kovalev, Straka, those guys, I'd see so I'd I'd been to so many Penguins games with those guys, even during the dark years uh, when they weren't as good. Those were the guys you went to see, and uh, it was always um, always exciting. And uh, Yager, especially, especially until he left. Uh, was a big part of my growing up and I'm going to put Roddy Francis in there as well, because I did a lot of, um, a lot of watching Roddy Francis and another guy I always grew up adoring, uh, was Kevin Stevens, a power forward, uh, on the early cup teams. Uh, he did, he, he came back to the Penguins in the latter half of his career, but yeah, big Kevin Stevens fan, uh, big Ronnie Francis fan. And obviously all those guys uh, from the nineties, uh, that were so good. Um, and then in even the 2000s, guys like Kovalev and Straka um, gave me some great memories. And Snell, anybody off the top of your head that really sticks out? Uh, no, I was just going to say quick, uh, you come for the superstars and you stay for the role players, right? Yeah. I <laughs> you mean, always fall in love yeah. with those role player guys, the Absolutely. locker room guys. Yeah. Um, uh, growing up out West, especially, I mean, dude, we didn't have a ton of exposure. It wasn't until Sid really came into the league that we'd start to see Penguins games out here. Mm. He had that effect on the league. Um, uh, growing up, it was for me, it was like those early Detroit teams, uh, Brennan Shanahan, uh, uh, again, in Calgary. And then when he went to Colorado, um, yeah, uh, oh, uh, Joe Thornton when uh, okay. yeah. with San Jose, um, him and um, Pavelski down there. Uh, those California teams, Corey Perry, Getzlaff, um, when they were young. I don't know, those early California teams where they just take a chunk out of anyone who came out west. Um, I've said it a lot on here. Again, La, he's always been one of my favorite players, just a a superstar but he played the game such a blue collar way and he was such a he was such a leader i don't know just i'll I'll always uh sing the praises of iggy and uh i remember my first hockey card ever was brendan shanahan and uh (laughs) yeah uh, uh, on detroit uh obviously a little bit uh later in his career but uh yeah those those were the guys i mainly paid attention to growing up very cool Uh, hold on one second. My computer kind of froze on me here, so trying to figure out what's going good. on. We're just really giving Garrett things to to work on. Yep, he's earning his uh his his money here. Oh, there yeah. you go. No, still not. It's funny you say that because right when you said, "Do you have your outline ready?" my my I don't know what happened. I clicked over and my whole outline disappeared. So I'm just shooting from the hip right now. All right, I can. One of those days. Yeah, just tech difficulties all over the place. This is what happens when Garrett doesn't show up. He's really the guy that, the glue that keeps it together. Yeah. All right, I'll go with question three here for, uh, from Brian again, but for Snail. Uh, what's more impressive to you, 
Dubas undoing most of Hexall's mistakes and getting Carlson uh, in one trade or all the depth that he has brought in throughout the summer. It's great having a dynamic player like EK65, but I can't remember the last time we had this much depth. Yeah, I think the the most impressive thing is essentially just turning all of Hextall's errors into Eric Carlson. Like that's in that's just super impressive. That's some wheeling and dealing. Although he was working with a team San Jose that just didn't have the most leverage, but I mean it takes it takes a good GM to sniff that out and to, to really I mean that took a all summer not all summer, it took a lot of the summer to massage and work out the the finer details it took a third team i think that's just really savvy general managing and uh yeah we definitely got good depth this year i i can remember some years maybe where we've had more depth not to uh not to dampen brian's response here to to the the influx of depth we've received since last year but um the depth is good they they still have a lot to prove sid and the top six have nothing to prove this year. They just need to go out and keep doing what they've been known to do. Um, the bottom six has left a lot to be desired after last season. Um, so we'll have to see and like how they adapt to Sullivan's system, a lot of new players. Um, but yeah, I'd have to say the most impressive thing is Dubas turning Granland, Petrie, and I didn't have an issue with Jan Ruda, but taking Jan Ruda and his contract and swapping, turning that all into future Hall of Famer, three-time Norris winner, 101 points last year, Eric Carlson. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that just because it's such a gigantic trade with so many moving pieces. Uh, and like you said, it took, I mean, it was rumored to be happening or at least discussion starting back when free agency opened and it took over a month to get it done. So I, yeah, incredible work on that trade. On a trade like that, all so many moving parts, just not easy to 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 seal the deal on. No, not at all. And um, I think that was the point where Dubis really instilled, um, or he really captured the faith of the the Pens fan base. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, let's go here to question number four uh, from Brian. Also. Um, he says, also with the bottom six, if DOC keeps playing the way he has this preseason, which he's been on fire, uh, that's a huge and that's a huge boost, and it definitely boosts the offense and gives us potentially three scoring lines, which which the Penguins haven't had in a while. Yeah, O'Connor is a big wild card here, and this isn't the first preseason that he has looked like this, and it's never really translated, at least not on a consistent basis over to regular season games. But this is going to be his first, like, legit, legit shot of him getting on the opening night roster and being a key component of of this team. And he's going to – now that door is open for him, and it's his – it's now up to him to take that step through and become the player that the Penguins need him to be because if his scoring picks up and a guy like Harkins is there – and one of those other guys, like an Achari or somebody's putting the puck in the net, all of a sudden, you're looking at a very, very good bottom six. And um, yeah, a lot has to go right for that to happen. But what we saw in O'Connor, there's no reason O'Connor can't play like that uh, when the games matter. And that starts tomorrow night. And I really like what I've seen. Uh, I'm just really hoping that, fingers crossed, that it holds over uh, to 
to when the games start counting because he is such a key component to boosting that bottom six with offense, which was such a hindrance for the Penguins last year. So, yeah, fingers crossed that it works out because the Penguins can do a lot of damage um, this season into the playoffs if that bottom six is producing like it has in the past. I think it's kind of like, is it kind of just like a sign of the times where the Penguins are at with their with their roster that Drew O'Connor has been such a uh, a hot topic for like a year and a half now? I mean, this is an undrafted player, and yeah. he was he's only scored a handful of goals in the NHL. Although he has shown these glimpses of being pretty, he had he can provide he he's shown glimpses that he can provide offense. He can kill penalties. I mean, he's kind of just Garrett's described them as he's kind of just been a guy, but he's certainly got a lot of expectations for just this. You know, he played. I forget where he played college hockey. I don't know if Dartmouth. you remember Dartmouth? Dartmouth. Yeah, he's in Ivy League. Yep. So he's an Ivy League guy. I mean, I mean, didn't come into the league with like a, a ton of uh, of hype behind him or anything like that. Again, he was undrafted. I think it's just kind of it's interesting the uh, expectations that DOC is coming into the season with. But uh, if anything, let's just hope for some consistency. He doesn't need to necessarily light the lamp. He's going to be a bottom six guy. There's just, unless there's a, an in, uh, a major injury, I don't see him playing in the top six, but it'd be nice to just see some consistency out of him, maybe a little more offense and maybe a little bit more noticeable on the defensive end. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, question number five, once again from Brian here. Uh, thoughts on the NHL testing their version of NFL Red Zone uh, called, they'll be calling it the Frozen Frenzy. It's being hosted by John Butcher Gross at ESPN. I think it'll be an awesome product. Really excited to see how it turns out. I think it's awesome too. I just think it, anything to make watching uh, multiple games easier. I don't know about you, Robbie, but when the Penguins aren't playing, I'm – I'm flipping channels, just tuning into every game. Yep. Uh, I am a little curious if they're modeling it after NFL Red Zone. I'm curious how – I'm not trying to overthink this either because I think even if they're just showing general exposure to all the games that are on at the same time, uh, I think ESPN should really – that's a whole nother conversation is f- uh, figure out a, a staggering schedule so that not all the games are – like commercial breaks are almost all lining up at the same time. Um, but NFL Red Zone, they switch over to different games when they're in the red zone, right? Like when they're about to score. Yeah. So – yeah. Hockey, that's a little bit more difficult to determine because it's just such a quicker game. I don't know if they're planning on doing like if they're showing a game that's maybe got uh, it's a high scoring game or something. Are they going to flip the game to someone who's on if they're on the power play? Is it going to be like a power play driven? Uh, I'm not trying to pick it apart or anything. I think it's great. I think that even just announcing that they're going to be showing more games simultaneously is going to increase viewership. I think it's going to make it easier to digest and watch and catch more games. But, um, and Bucigras is a great, I love listening to, mm-hmm. to Bucigras too. I, I think that he's the perfect guy for something like this. So, uh, I'm excited for it too. I'm curious to see how, it, how it looks. And, uh, what about you, Robbie? Are you excited to watch even more hockey? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just, it's going to be, again, like you said, like, the NFL, like, you get in the red zone, okay, scoring opportunities go up. I guess, like, power plays obviously are a big uh, big indicator in that. Like, yeah, you're going to want to show that because the odds of scoring go up for the, the team with the man advantage. Um, 
overtimes, obviously, again, no guarantee the games go to overtime, but three on three hockey, put that on TV. I'd love, I'd love a break in of watching normal TV. And they're just like, here's this three on three game. It could be the two worst teams in the league. It's probably going to be at least marginally exciting enough for me to pay attention um, for five minutes or so. But uh, no, I think it's great. I'm going to, again, very interesting to see how exactly it is kind of games are picked to switch over to. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely going to tune in, tune in. And I think if it goes well, um, this is obviously a trial run that this is going to be done um, definitely in the future at some point. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, because Hey, more hockey, the better, right? Agreed. More hockey, yeah. the better. Absolutely. And that kind of that kind of leads us in almost a little bit to our next question here. Um, and Brian asks, do you think that the NHL is missing a huge opportunity to grow the game with most of McDavid's games starting after 10 p.m. on the East Coast? So this applies more to you and Garrett. Um, but yeah, talking exposure again and their superstar, uh, McDavid being out West. Oh, it's absolutely a killer. Um especially in a play in Canada, if they were in like a market, like the Kings or a cup contender, like Seattle or Vegas or Colorado, I think it's a completely different story, but it can be hard to watch Edmonton games here in the States. Uh, sometimes unless you have like a subscription to ESPN plus or something like that. Edmonton is not a massive market. They love their hockey but they are not a Toronto. They are not a Montreal. They are not a, a New York or, or an LA. And yeah, I mean, he's the best player in hockey. And he's the guy you want in front of on front and center of all your billboards, all your ads. That's who people need to watch. Um, the same thing was with Crosby when he came to lay in with Ovechkin. And it just so happened that they were in two very diehard markets, not the biggest markets in the world, but two rivals, two diehard markets. And then they blessed the hockey world with great hockey for the past almost 20 years at this point. So um, a guy like McDavid, obviously you'd like him to be in a bigger market, but anything you do to get him more exposure in the States is good. And this is a good first step. Um, so yeah, anything to get, and not, it's not just McDavid either. You got a guy like, um, Logan Cooley, who's probably the favorite to win the Calder the Calder Trophy, right up there with Bedard uh, this year, and he's going to be in Arizona, where I might turn it tune into more Arizona Coyotes games this year just to watch him play. Again, it helps that he's from Pittsburgh as well, but at the same time, um, should should be entertaining to watch. Bedard, I mean, we can talk about whether or not they're fixing the draft lottery, but him falling to Chicago is great for the league as much as I don't want to see Chicago uh, succeed and get those kind of gifts, but it is what it is. If I want hockey to grow, I guess I got to deal with that. Um, So yeah, but anything to get these guys more exposure uh, is a good sign in my opinion. I just wanted to kind of, I, I, for the most part, I agree with you, Robbie. I think that if I lived out East, I would feel similarly, but I hear me out. So Brian asks, do you think the NHL is missing a huge opportunity to grow the game? And I think that if there's anywhere in the, in the, in the United States that needs, the game needs to be grown, it would probably be out West being from out here. Like dude, hockey is not, there's, there's one hockey bar in the state of Washington. I guess you could count maybe two now because the, 
Kraken opened a they opened a training facility that's a little oh, bit yeah, north of the yeah. city. It's called the Thirty Two Bar and Grill. I guess you could call that a hockey bar. There's another one called the Angry Beaver, and it's in North Seattle, and it's uh it's owned by a, a bunch of brothers from Toronto. Awesome place, a lot of character, a lot of charm. It's a great place to catch a game. But I think that McDavid being in the West actually is helping grow the game a bit. And Bedard being in Chicago, I don't really see it as the same thing because to you guys, Chicago is is West. But to the people on the West Coast, that's still a different time zone. Um, But anyways, I think that McDavid being, especially being in, in Edmonton, they just added Seattle, the 32nd team, right? So McDavid is playing Seattle you know, he's playing in Seattle at least, what, two times a year? Something like that? Um, if maybe once, maybe maybe it is twice. I think what? that's... No. Oh, I don't know what it is this year. I, I think it would be because he's it's inter... In, he's are in, they the, in the same division? Yeah, they are. Oh, then... Yeah, I think it's... Assuming that they, don't, they aren't on a three-game schedule this year, they would play two in Seattle and two in Edmonton. I think they had two here last year, so... With that, I'm like, you're introducing the best player in the the game right now to a new market, a new hockey market twice a year. I think that that Gary Bettman has got to be just like sleeping like a baby at night knowing that's the case, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I see it both ways. Just wanted to to chime in on that. Yeah, that's good. Good. All right. Uh, Question number uh, seven from Ryan here. Um, Who are your cup favorites for this year? Well, it's. I think it's West heavy. I think the West is. I think it's like Colorado, unfortunately Vegas, uh, Edmonton. Um, I maybe Seattle's pushing again. Maybe they take another step uh, out east. I'm looking at Carolina. They are. They're pretty loaded this year. They loaded up on their blue lines. Pretty stacked. They've got they've got depth and they've got um, they kind of lack like a true superstar, but they've got scoring. Um, I'm looking at maybe Carolina or uh, maybe a sneaky pick. Uh, I could see Buffalo doing some damage this year. I think that they are primed to make not only make it into the playoffs, but I think they're going to be a playoff mainstay for a long time after this season. What about you, Robbie? Yeah, I, th- I think the big names in the West, Colorado, Vegas or two that stick out to you. Uh, Edmonton's in there as well, all depending on if they can put it all together finally. Uh, then your second tier out there of, like, Seattle. I think L.A. could make some noise. Um, and I I don't sleep on Dallas uh, out west. They are loaded. They are ready to roll. They It's only a matter of time, it feels like, with them. Uh, so they're that in that conversation as well. Out east, man, it just feels like, Every contender feels like they have the gun to do it, but then you look at their roster and you're like, well, maybe there is a hole here and a hole there. Carolina, it's the scoring there. Can the goaltending hold up? Uh, The talents there, it's just every time they seem to get to the conference finals, they kind of sputter out. Uh, Do they have the dexterity to go the whole way? Um, Jersey, is. are they ready to take that step? The talent we know is there. Are they ready to take that step? Um, is the depth there for the Rangers? Is Toronto going to stop being Toronto? And can Boston bounce back? Tampa doesn't feel like the juggernaut it was 
two or three years ago. Florida looks great. Very hard to go to the back-to-back cup finals um, just because, I mean, just because of wear and tear. Buffalo, can they put it all together for 82 games? The Penguins, hey, the guns are there. Is the depth come through? Can the goaltending be there? It feels like there's definitely tears out east, but it feels like I can find holes in about every contender, whereas out west, yeah, you can find holes, but it just feels like out west is going to be an absolute dogfight for 82 games and then through the playoffs and whoever's left standing um, is going to get a play for a cup. So um, to me, it is just doggy dog out west. Out east, it is whoever can put it together for 82 games. Position yourself and then hope it all comes together in the spring. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I, you mentioned LA. I forgot about LA. They've, they've, uh, they've been, their rebuild is pretty much over and they acquired that, uh, uh, Vinny LeCavalier 2.0. What's Pierre Luc Dubois. Yep. That guy is a player, man. Yep. And they, they're, I feel like they acquired that guy to like, they're like, we're playing Edmonton in the playoffs at some point and we're getting depth up the middle. Um, and you mentioned Dallas too. I I don't like what Dallas kind of bores me. They're but they are like one of those like veteran laden teams with a bunch of young guys that are all pulling pulling their weight. And that Robertson's good. And I think oh, they got yeah. a they had a guy pushing for rookie of the year last year, neck and neck with Beneers. Yep. Um, and then I think they even got some more young guys that are that are pushing for roster spots that are promising. So they've drafted well, and they're kind of extending their life there down in, in Dallas. Again, another team. Would you be shocked if they're in a, a Western Conference final? I don't think so. Nope. So yeah, a dogfight in the West, and then out East. Yeah, there's so many question marks with so many teams. I mean, uh, Carolina, like you said, they always kind of tend to shit the bed once it gets to be the conference final. This is kind of their year. I think they got a lot of contracts that are about to be up. They, I think that they need to find a way to, to, uh, to push through. And and the regular season, not a problem. First couple rounds of the playoff have not been a problem for them. It's that that last leg of the race there. The Penguins should be a playoff team. Like yeah. whether they're a cup contender, they've got the. I think like we've talked about before, the depth, the bottom six have a lot to prove. I think Jari's a major question mark. Yep. Uh, I, they should be a playoff team. They should be, I mean, they should be a cup contender, but I think because of last year and maybe some of Jari's woes in the playoffs, there's that major question mark. But uh, yeah, kind of a crap shoot out East. Yep, agreed. All right, here, let's, uh, or wait, is it your question? Yeah, question eight. Okay, question eight here. Um Brian asks, how would you construct the power play? Would you like to see the team move away from the umbrella or keep the formation and uh, and work more on new entries so they aren't so obvious with the drop pass and dump in? Yeah, so to get a power play set up, if the puck gets cleared, you got to have uh, a good dump. Uh, uh, you got to get find a way to get the puck in the zone. Um, and that's been a problem for the Penguins over the years. So um, if they can get it in the zone and set up, I, I think you go – you got to get Malkin on that half wall so he can let him rip. Carlson up top. I think until pro- I think you can even intermix him and Latang. But I think to start, you put him up top, Latang uh, off to his left that he can one time it. Uh, Crosby somewhere down low, um, and then it depends on where your who your other guy is on the on that top unit. Gensel was uh, at practice today, uh, working in in front of the net. 
uh, deflecting shots. But Raquel, I think you set it up where he can get that shot off. Uh, wicked shot. Uh, so I think you can mix it up. I don't think you have to have a a set in stone kind of uh, formation for the power play anymore. And you can test some things out, see what works best. But I think you can throw different looks at guy, uh, teams, and that keeps them off balance because you don't know where the puck's going. You don't know uh, who's going to be where exactly. And you kind of play to everyone's strengths. You let Malkin rip it. You let Crosby deflect. You let Raquel shoot. You let uh, Latang shoot. You let Carlson distribute and shoot. Uh, Gensel can play in front of the net if he wishes. Uh, and if you want to throw Russ on that top unit, Russ can play in front of the net as well. So I, I I don't think there's one set in stone formation you go with. I think you test some things out, keep teams off balance, uh, and roll roll with what works. And if one thing gets stale, mix it up a little bit. There's too many weapons. There's no more excuses for uh, Todd Reardon and, and company now. you got to make this power play work. There were some very, very nice things we saw in the latter half of the preseason games. Um with that top unit. So um, I'm interested to see how they come out uh, when they get their first opportunity on Tuesday night and to kind of watch where it goes over this first month of the season, uh, what changes are made, if any changes are made and what kind of success they can find because they have the weapons to do it. No, no more time for excuses. Absolutely. I mean, Dubas goes out and he turns all these Hextall woes into a massive dub with Carlson, it's an embarrassment of riches, honestly. There's no reason that this power play shouldn't be clicking. And uh, I think like you, Robbie, like a lot of Pens fans, it's uh, all eyes will be on Reardon if this thing does not get going like it should. Um, And I agree with what you say, kind of the power play doesn't need to be a set in stone. It doesn't need to be Tampa Bay where they're they're down low executing the bumper and they just seem to score every, you know, they have they had a good power play. And it's the same thing every single time. The Penguins are one of the teams that I feel like on the power play, they can score off the rush a lot, which a lot of teams don't do. I don't know if you've noticed that definitely when they were in their back to back to back window, it was like the power play would just it would kind of just be a, a they would really utilize that extra space and it would be off the rush. So um, use that speed and that tenacity that the Sullivan system kind of, that's uh, kind of their mantra. And uh, let's hope to see a better power play this season. Yep. Okay, question number nine. We're going with Brian here as well. Hockey season is here. That means spooky season is as well. What are some of your favorite uh, scary slash spooky movies? Um, I've been trying to watch, uh, during October every year, I try to watch one Halloween or spooky, scary movie a, a night. Um, I've failed already at least a couple times, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, I like the, I like, uh, Tim Burton films. I like, uh, oh, okay. I like Tim Burton films. Um, I like, uh, I like Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice is like a great, uh, kind of toes the line of being like kind of spooky, but it's also kind of like heart. Yeah, warming good. Yeah. It's like a good film. Um, the what's the one with uh, Ichabod Crane? I'm blanking on the name right now. Um, uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like uh, I like those kind of movies. I feel like there's also there's spooky movies, but there's also kind of like <clears throat> fall campusy movies, mm-hmm. like a uh, like a Dead Poet Society. Okay, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 
or what's the other one I'm thinking of with Robin Williams and the guys from Boston, Scott, all those Good guys. Will, Good, Good Will, Will Hunting. Hunting. That's not like a spooky movie, but it's kind it's of a fall movie. fall yeah. campusy movie. Um, I watched a. I recently watched a movie that I thought was. I, I, I'm not a Twilight vampire guy, but I like a good a good Dracula telling. And uh, I watched the last voyage of the Demeter, and I thought that you know it it it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so that kind of stuff. Alien movies. Anything I really. Uh, oh, the Halloween franchise, of course. Yeah. Especially yeah. with they've revamped it. I've loved those. I like the old ones. Uh, what about you, Robbie? So I'm not a huge scary movie fan, but um, I kind of in, in that vibe of like you mentioned the Robin Williams, Dead Poet Society, Goodwill Hunting, more of a fall theme movie. Um, this is, I guess, I mean, I do like Disney movies. So Hocus Pocus is one that I've always enjoyed, even though it's very kid centric and kind of uh, silly, kind of like that. Um, Beetlejuice is a very, yeah, that's a great choice. I would not have thought of that off the top of my head, but I, I do enjoy uh, Beetlejuice starring um, uh, Pittsburgh native uh, Michael Keaton. Um, who else? Um, oh, man. Uh, do you remember? Uh, yeah, we're about the same age. Do you remember the Goosebumps movies? Oh, yeah. I watched yeah. Goosebumps last night. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, um, I read the books. Um, yeah. And that was always just, uh, yeah, something. Um, uh, just yeah intriguing that i always grew up with uh and i guess this would count as a scary movie though it's based off a book uh the shining oh um, yeah yeah i mean the shining is a classic um stephen king wrote the book um but yeah i mean i'm not a huge scary movie fan but um i've seen the scream some of the scream movies i've seen the uh, halloween movies uh nightmare on elm street um Freddy vs. Jason, stuff like that. So, yeah, those, I mean, I guess you could call them your mainstream kind of spooky movies. Uh, but, yeah, that's just kind of what I'm into. You never sit down with, like, a little bowl of some candy and just throw on a spooky movie when it gets to be around Halloween? Uh, I mean, if I find something I like, but I don't go out of my way. I feel it. Yeah, I really dive into Halloween this season. Okay. It's, like, my yeah. favorite time of year. Oh, it's a great um, time of year. I love the fall this pretty much october to the new year i love um, oh yeah so yeah i'm all for it yeah so very excited that it's finally starting to cool down here and feel feel like fall yep same here out west all right so i think that this is our last question for part one of the mailbag and it's coming from yet again brian um are you surprised by any of the players that were put on waivers uh on sunday I guess the only one that I would say really surprised me, and I don't even know if it was a full surprise because we knew roster crunch was going to be tight, and that was Redeem Zahorna. Um, maybe there was a vibe that he was going to make the team. He had a fantastic camp, and in Dubas's media availability today, he said it's not that decision's not a mark on the player. Uh, it's just it's a hockey decision. I think at some point we will definitely see him up. Uh, sooner rather than later eventually somebody uh, they're gonna have to shake things up or somebody gets injured so uh, Zahorna is the only one that really stuck out to me I think most of the rest of the roster was uh, pretty cut and dry from uh, just by going over and seeing who was there I think that was the only uh, one that really stuck out if they would have put it like 
if they would have gone really crazy and gone like P.O. Joseph or something. But I think Zahorna, maybe a surprise, maybe like a, a lukewarm surprise, medium surprise, but nothing that I thought was like, whoa, somebody's going to go out and try to claim one of these guys kind of thing. So, yeah, Zahorna would be my vote if I had to pick someone. But overall, I think it was pretty cut and dry from what we saw at camp. Agreed. Zahorna was a little bit of a surprise, but we'll see him back up. I think he's yeah. a good utility guy. Absolutely. Everyone else, no real big surprise there. Yeah. All right. That is a wrap on part one of this week's mailbag. We'll be back later in the week uh, to discuss part two. Um, after we record this, Snell and I are going to put together a small, short little season preview. Um, it'll just be a 15, 20 minute episode, kind of looking forward to the season to go out tomorrow as well. So overall, thank you again for joining us as we have completed this hostile takeover of the pens, the skating penguin, skating penguin network. We will make sure that we feed Garrett at least once a week, uh, not after midnight, obviously. <laughs> so um, if you do see him running around, please return him to us. Um, just slide into our DMs and we'll get you an address where you can ship him back to. We'll pick um, him up. Yeah, we'll pick him up. We'll get somebody. We'll get the dog catcher or something after him. <laughs> but uh, for Snail, I am Robbie. We will be back later this week with part two of the mailbag. Thank you for sticking with us uh, for part one. And we will talk to you later. <laughs>